What's up, LLA Podcast Station? This is Sincere Hogan, my man Mike Marlowe on the other lines, the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. Uh, another great week. This is a cool episode today. I mean, we've got a guy who is is doing what a lot of people wish they could do, where he sees a need, he has a cause that's driving him, and he takes charge of it and comes up with a, a really interesting concept to help a lot of animals in need. So I think it's always cool to hear stories, people like James Pond, people like Melia Kaplan, regular people who saw a problem, and instead of sitting around bitching about it, complaining, and right. going to the water cooler, and talking a bunch of nonsense, and then doing nothing with any of that energy, they found a way to take charge of it and come together with a cool concept to help some beings in need. It's pretty cool. Definitely cool. So, yeah, man, let's uh, let's go ahead and intro our guest and um, let's get it going because, you know, I'm very excited about this, man. Well, just real quick, right before our guest, let's, let's, do, let's do some other fundraising, which is for the show. <laughs> so now the one way you can help a lot of great organizations is to help the show, to help our businesses. And you can do that by using coupon code LLA. You can go to MikeMahler.com and get 10% off the best nutrition supplements you're ever going to take, T-shirts, videos, eBooks, you name it. So use that coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of the great products I carry. Do some research, get going. And how about with you, man? Same thing. You go to newwarriortraining.com, use that same coupon code LLA, and you'll get 10% off of all my products over there, my digital download of my DVD as well as the physical copy, also my Weight Management 101 course. You know, where you can pretty much take your health in your own hands, truly understand how your body works with your training, with your nutrition, all that. But it's very digestible, pun intended, you know, with videos and audios and PDFs, all this. So it's very, very interactive. You get a lot of tools and resources with that, as well as 10 percent off of my Costa Rican coffee drip stands for more. So you can get the best pour of a coffee out there and as well as a digital download of the wellness code. So, and I got more products coming along the way, but, you know, jump on it now and use that 10% off coupon code and, you know, you can get started now. And like I say, this, this goes toward us keeping the show going because we don't have other sponsors coming on here and having to do a pitch fest of all their stuff. And you have people coming at us wanting to like pitch things that we don't even freaking use, but they, for some reason they think that's a good fit for the show. I'm like, no, we're not going to do our audience a disservice by promoting something that we don't even use. You know, they're not even giving us the product or anything like that, even getting feedback from us. So, you know, one thing about it, the things that are on our sites are the things that we use. So, so therefore, you know that, Hey, it's good. We're not just going to put any kind of crap up there on our websites and try to sell it to anyone. So, Exactly. And again, we take that and yeah, you know, it helps our businesses. It helps the show, but it also helps a lot of great causes out there. And we're all about that, man. And a lot of times, like we said before, sometimes you feel a little strapped and you feel like, man, what can I do for this organization, this organization? You know, sometimes we can just help you by going out there and picking the right, picking these organizations that, you know, we're very passionate about. Bring we love to bring these folks on the show so you can learn more about these organizations, hear about it firsthand, instead of just donating these big organizations out there and you don't know where your money's going. You know, other than the fact if you go to like Charity Navigator and you get to see, you know, the kind of doctored up books that you may see for some of these CEOs of these large nonprofits. But again, you still don't know exactly where that money is going. And these people and those big organizations, nine times out of ten, you'll never hear from them. You'll never see that CEO. Whereas, you know, we like to work with people that, hey, man, we can get in touch with them and let them come on here and really talk about their cause, which that's what's going on today. 
Yeah, that brings us to today's guest, who really interesting guy. His name is Sean McMaster. He's got a thick Scottish accent, so you're gonna you're gonna have flashbacks <laughs> well, to the movie. You're gonna have flashbacks to the movie Braveheart, Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe uh, maybe Highlander as well. You know? But uh, actually, in Highlander, it was a it was a Scotsman who was playing a Spaniard. Oh, which is kind of interesting because today we have a Scotsman on the show who lives in Spain, and Sean McMaster has been doing some really interesting things to help abandoned animals so i'm not even gonna waste time trying to tell a story for him let's let's get it let's get going with our guest sean how you doing today yeah i'm doing all right although i am english believe it or not oh you are okay <laughs> <laughs> oh come on mcmaster i thought for sure that was the scottish last name yeah yeah well me dad was irish but um, i'm from newcastle i don't know if you know newcastle no, I've been in, oh, yeah, yeah i've been to newcastle i've taught there before okay Okay. Ah, right, right. Well, a hundred miles from Scotland, so you're not you're not far off the mark. <laughs> so, Sierra, edit that part out of the show. Yeah. <laughs> we have a Newcastle guy on the show today. <laughs> but to be honest, do you remember what people are called from Newcastle, Mike? <laughs> do I remember? No. Not Geordies. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Actually, I was only there for a few days. So I didn't. I didn't, I didn't get into. I didn't get the cultural experience of Newcastle. <laughs> uh, no problem. <laughs> so, Sean, you're you're in Spain, and you do some great stuff to help abandoned animals. How did this whole thing happen? Um, one night, well, I'm actually an English teacher with me dodgy accent. Um, I teach <laughs> I teach people English here, and me wife. I don't know if either of you have ever worked in kind of the Birmingham area or the west of Birmingham, a place called the Black Country, which is no racial slur whatsoever. It's an historically um, <laughs> a mining area called the Black Country. They have incredibly strong accents. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Well, I don't even know what you just said, so I'm not sure. What, no, <laughs> to my, I'm just to my look, I, I spent years when I was doing raves, man, just trying to understand a lot of my friends over in the UK that spoke like a Cockney accent. I'm like, first of all, it's called Cockney, okay? <laughs> so it's already made that, that made that language a lot more interesting. They're like, what? Cox? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> basically, I have a terrible accent, and my wife is even worse, and we teach English here to the poor, unsuspecting Spaniards. So I do not. I don't know how bad the English accent will be. Yeah, no, you have a you have a cool accent, man. It definitely has a lot of characters. So that's that's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Exactly. So how did how did you end up in Spain helping all these dogs? Right. Basically, we bought a camper van with the idea of driving all around the world, visiting everywhere. My wife's Indian, uh, second generation Indian, oh, and we were gonna oh. we we're gonna go through everywhere: Eastern Europe, Russia. Basically, we're just going to travel for years and years and have a wonderful experience until we arrived in Spain. And day one, we just saw dogs, you know, abandoned, left, right and centre. And we started uh, picking them up. We picked up a boxer on day one, a male boxer. And we were going to, we were going to, you know, just sort of rescue him. But the problem was we had a bull terrier male in the van with us. Mm. So circumstances dictated that we had to really look for a house and think about what we were going to do. Not shelve everything, you know, the traveling and everything indefinitely, but just sort of give it a thought how we could go about it. And we haven't. We have shelved it completely. And we started rescuing dogs down here in Andalusia in the south of Spain. Interesting. Now, how did this now t tell us about your model, because you do something really interesting where people can come out for a nice vacation 
and you have some kind of deal where they help out with the dogs in exchange for lodging and so forth. So let's, let's, let's get into how this whole thing works. Well, to begin with, um, I was picking different dogs up every maybe once a week, once a fortnight, driving them up to the rescue centre about 15 minutes up the road. And I got to know the woman, a Dutch lady who's been helping or who's been running it there for 10 years. Uh, when she began there, she was a, she was still a Dutch lady back then, but she didn't speak any Spanish. Uh, she happened to be driving back by and she saw this kill shelter and she thought, oh, I wonder if I can help a little bit there, you know, cleaning up shit and giving the dogs a walk and what have you. Right. And that, that's exactly what she did. 50-year-old woman at the time, didn't speak the language, and instead of just driving by and saying, oh, poor little thing, she thought, fuck it, I'm going to drive in there, find out what the score is, and I'm going to, you know, effect a bit of change here. And then fast forward eight to ten years, and she's rehomed literally thousands of dogs up in Luxembourg, in Germany, mm. in Switzerland, where they don't have pet overpopulation problems. Huh. So that's how, how she began it. Then I, I went along earlier this year uh, with some dogs I, I picked up from the streets here and got talking to her. I asked her if she wanted me to maybe help out on a Saturday morning. You know, I work full time. I've got all the excuses in the world. I'm an English teacher. I give, <laughs> right. I give kettlebell yoga classes. I'm very busy. I haven't got time to help too much. And then on my first Saturday there, I thought, oh, my God, these dogs are living living like they shouldn't be living. I have to go every day. You know, all of me, me afternoons, I'll go up there, I'll clean up the shit, I'll give the dogs a walk, and I'll try and contribute as much as I possibly can. And after about two weeks, I was absolutely exhausted with all my jobs, with everything. Mm. And I looked up, and there was a Belgian Malinois looking at me. He loves to run. And he was looking as if to say, come on, man, fuck's sake, I want to go out. And I thought... <laughs> And I thought, I can bring people, man. I can bring people from those cold northern European countries because I live in a paradise. I live in a Spanish paradise here. Um, I can offer people a spare house we have. I can pick them up from the airport and I can offer them something dirt cheap somewhere down the line. So now when people come out for these vacations, is, is that stipulated? It's like, all right, you're going to stay here in this room, but we need you to do this. Or is it less formal oh, than that? No, no, it's completely informal. Yeah, and okay. For example, today was 110, 115 degrees. I insisted that nobody come in July or August. You know, the Brits think the mm-hmm. tough guys all in <laughs> into ethics <laughs> section. And I said, it's taken me ten, well, eight years to get used to it. My wife, who's, you know, got Indian genes, should be able to deal with the heat a little bit better. She can't go out in the midday sun. Right. Uh, so basically, we just said, no, no, nothing until September. So if they come out in September, and we're actually now September, October, we're actually jam-packed. Uh, we can't actually fit anyone in, I don't think. Um, we just said, come out informally, see how it is. If it's too hot, just sit in the bar. It doesn't matter. I know your heart's in the right place. And that's the important thing. We get the right type of people. And the wrong sort of people do not come out yet, basically. <laughs> right, if right. want to help them out. No, I mean, it's, it's, an actually, it's actually a really interesting business model because you're not going to be dealing with people that are probably a pain in the ass. Because you're dealing with people that are good-hearted people that are coming out for more 
generous reasons than they just exactly. want to have a vacation and just be have you on their beck and call bringing them breakfast in the morning, <laughs> you know so it's it's pretty interesting yeah. now what what is the setup for the dogs where are they how many dogs do you have there and and what are what are they in are they in some kind of kennel or what's going on yeah, yeah. well basically back i've seen the photographs this week from 10 years ago it was a ramshackle piece of shit oh it was horrible now it's it's still rural spain people have to realize this is not you know, the northern European places or the United States, anything like that. It's still maybe a little bit shocking to some people um, in terms of roundabout where we live. You do see dogs locked up in cages and not tethered on chains and everything. It can be horrible, you know, for the for the innocent eye who's used to the dogs being pets and everything like that. But our place, what we do, we have we have about 125 capacity and we split them up into dogs that get into get on with each other. So there'll be like a big kennel. We maybe have four or five in there. They all get out in a big group each day so that they can play on the grounds. But this is why we need people to come to take them out individually to get them leash trained and to get them used to, you know, just being out for walks and everything. Right, right. Now, are you actively trying to get these dogs rescued? Do people come here and, and adopt? No, no, absolutely not. Um, mm. We've had very bad experiences with that. Really? We do it. Yeah, yeah well, I'd say 80% of um, of the dogs we, we adopt out or have adopted out historically, hence why we've changed it, 80% come back mm. um, for whatever mm. reason. Um, so what we do, do we own... So actually, so you're saying if people have fin- are financially strapped, they'll actually help out so that the dog can stay in place? So people don't yes. have to relinquish animals? Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I could not believe it when I found it out. But, you know, these Germans and people from the Germanic countries, um, different mentality when they when somebody gets a dog, uh, that's it for life. None yeah. of this, you know, none of this bullshit. The other day I had someone. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how bad my language can be. <laughs> no, as bad as you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it makes it even cooler because it's with an accent. So. Exactly. Like, you heard like watching episode of Snatch right now. <laughs> Just listen to the last episode with John Joseph. I mean, that basically, <laughs> that basically answers that question. <laughs> uh, he took me back to my – he helped me a lot when I was a kid. I had some difficulties as a kid in the crow mags and the bad brains. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, let, let's, 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 let's take a little uh, detour here. How did you – how did this whole thing become something that you're passionate about, helping animals, etc.? So that is, is this something that's always been a big passion of yours or it just hit you when you went to Spain? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a normal dog owner. You know, I had one dog. I looked after him. I got up in the morning. I walked him before I went to work. I was responsible in the sense of, you know, what a normal dog owner should be. Right. I wasn't I wasn't like the cat woman, the mad woman who stinks <laughs> of cats. <laughs> um, I, I wasn't on a crusade or any anything like that, you know. But then when you're hit with what you see here, you know, I don't want to bag on Spain, you know. A lot of Brits do that, and it's boring as fuck, and I prefer to look on the, uh, the good stuff in Spain. But there, it's you cannot deny there's a big problem with the animal treatment here in Spain. Right. And it, it just hits you, you know. You, to see an animal chained up in a cage and the owner maybe comes every third day to throw a bit of bread and... Uh, and that's about it. You know, it, it is upsetting, even for someone who maybe doesn't have the really strong sensibilities like me in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just seeing it, seeing it, what on earth 
if I don't do it, who the fuck's going to do it? Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the right mentality right there. That's what I was that's what I was leaning towards is that what do you think makes you different in the sense that a lot of people see stuff like this all the time, right? People see all kinds of atrocities, whether it's human suffering, animal suffering, whatever it is. And maybe it bothers you for that day or it bothers you for a few hours. And then you just go back to whatever problems you had in your own life. What do you think made you different here in this situation? Uh, again, back to the not want to bag on Spain. I was having a very difficult time having real um, meaningful relationships with with some of my Spanish friends, you know, a lot of my Spanish friends, without being sounding like a racist prick here, and I'm aware that I sound bad, but I'm talking about eight years of experience. Mm-hmm. And maybe you want to edit this because it's ugly. But no, we don't, have, we don't have to edit anything. Just no. have to, this this show is all about the truth, man. So whatever yeah. your experience exactly. is, it's your truth. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. Well, the big problem for me was complete lack of empathy in. Virtually all of my Spanish friends, with the exception of maybe four or five, and they incidentally have left the country, they can't live here. <laughs> I think says a lot. You know, they, they just they had to get out. They're up in Edinburgh. They're, um, you know, they're, they're just wherever they can get out, really. And I think that leads into the history of Spain. It leads into all different, very interesting conversations, but maybe a different day for that. Um, but yeah, the lack of empathy, I just couldn't find the ability to connect with anyone which i've never had before in my life no matter where i've been mm. you know whether whether i've been traveling in india or mexico or brazil right. i could get on with people um but here i just couldn't cultivate any truthful relationships with anyone now lack uh, of empathy towards animals or just in or general just in general in, yeah. in general in general wow yeah, yeah. Okay. I, i've seen one person reading the book i am in a very rural part of spain i hasten to add I, okay. You know, like some hillbilly deliverance bullshit going on here, maybe. <laughs> oh, God, Although that difference. hasn't happened to me. <laughs> oh. I'd like to jump in there. None of that occurred in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to think about deliverance, man. Like, whoa, okay. What, yeah, yeah. what part of the countryside are you on? Because uh, I want to be <laughs> Well, believe me, there, there's, there's small town America that'll make you just as scared as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. You drive, across, you drive across this country, there's a few places where you're going, you know what? I'll wait till the next town to fill up for gas. Exactly. Because I may not make it out of here. Especially, <laughs> especially where I am in Texas. So, you know, there's still some places kind of oh. sketchy. It's like, whoa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe push the car to the next gas uh, service station rather than fill up <laughs> or just fly you know i just fly exactly <laughs> yeah, because you fly over those places <laughs> that's really interesting for me to hear that because um i mean we we've landed in a beautiful place we drove east west north you know we went everywhere looking for somewhere beautiful and it's undoubtedly beautiful and it's wonderful to visit and maybe I'm not selling it too well. <laughs> I'm not selling the place too well here. I'm not for anybody interested in coming. But for a visit, for a week, maybe even a month. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about exactly where you are, your setup, and what the appeal is. You know, why, why would someone want to come out there? What are they going to get out of this whole thing? I mean, yeah, they're going to help some animals and so forth. But it, what kind of vacation is this going to be for someone who wants to come check out your setup? 
Yeah, they're going to find something that's really difficult to find, which is um, an easygoing, very relaxed part of Spain, which doesn't have Brits uh, puking and fighting. <laughs> oh, man. Talking about Ibiza? Brits. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would want to go to Ibiza and experience that? <laughs> like, oh, come on. That's part of the charm of the Exactly. <laughs> so we're kind of offering what you might call an authentic Spain, you know, really slow, almost like a century ago. Um, not really touched too much by tourism, very little international tourism. Um, people ask me what language is spoken in America. You know, it's real like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe people don't know that Spanish is spoken in Mexico. It's like a, a real blast from the past before the internet, before books even. Mm. Um, very strange place. Mm. You know, there's a blast from the past. It's like stepping back and relaxing and Letting your heart rate go down to, um, I'm going to show off and say 38 because I'm such a healthy motherfucker. <laughs> Way to go, Lance Armstrong. <laughs> but yeah, that's it in a nutshell. You know, we offer we offer a real quiet, peaceful uh, Sierra, mountains, lakes, a beautiful, mm. beautiful place to come and come and relax and to you know save other good local food and drink and everything what are what are the rooms like do you have flush toilets for example exactly. <laughs> or, or, or are you crapping on a hole in the ground you know <laughs> or they don't have much fiber on the diet here so we don't really use toilets <laughs> they just eat meat all day long <laughs> no 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 it's uh in terms of that yes we have it's you know very very well equipped it's our spare house actually where we lived for three years um, so it's like a little casita. I don't know if you, yeah. if uh, you speak sure. Spanish. A little yeah. house. A little house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. How many? How many people? How many guests do you have at one time? Well, here we have three bedrooms, so it would depend whether three people, six people, or three couples come out. To begin with, this isn't our primary income. This is something to try and get the ball moving. Right. So I'm happy to accept one person, you know, and cover the petrol, cultivate relationships with people. So that they come back, and up to now, everyone's come back with additional people, family, friends, everything. So it's been very, very, very nice meeting. You know, people who are otherwise wouldn't be meeting. Uh, they come out, find the place which otherwise they would never encounter in a million years. You just right, wouldn't right. end up here unless you had a camper van and you were desperate to find somewhere to, you know, to rest your head, like we had eight years ago. Now, here's the thing. Some people want to ask, like, okay, what are, like, daily activities are going to, you know, they can look forward to? Yeah, they're, they're helping their volunteer with the animals as well, but what other amenities, as you could say, right. you know, would they, they encounter by vacation? Right. Well, yep, yep. Um, we, whatever they want to do, most people love going walking in the mornings. You know, they go walking in this village along to the next village. I've got a dojo as well. I've got only kettlebells. Um self-defense stuff you know we, we have a lot of courses going on and um, because i'm very good friends with a local uh, sergeant in the guardia civil and he's in charge of all the self-defense classes for spain and portuguese forces and um, so we have lots of fitness stuff going on if people want that um, you can rent bikes you can rent kayaks you basically whatever whatever you want and a lot of bars we have about 30 bars in a village of 2,000 people so now what's the a lot of What's the major? What's the major city 
that um, you're close to as far as like they will fly in and and get there. Because I'm pretty sure now we probably perk some people up and they're like, OK, this sounds interesting. I think I can do that. I like to relax. I want to just go in on the <laughs> and unplug and leave the computer behind and the cell phones and get out in the countryside, enjoy like the beautiful mountains in Spain and, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and help animals while I'm there. So basically, like what would be the major airport they fly into? How close are you to, let's just say, or like the major city like Madrid or something Barcelona. like that? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, no way I'm Madrid, no chance. <laughs> I like helping, I like to go and pick people up and charge a minimum rate and everything, uh, but fuck that 12 hour drive. <laughs> That's a long drive. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we do, we do. Um, a place called, well, it's called Jerez, which is Jerez in English. It would look like J E R E Z, but lisping like a good, uh, good Spaniard, it's called Jerez. Yeah. And then there's also Seville, which uh, okay, okay. Every, everybody knows, which is one hour north of here. Mm-hmm. So either of those two airports are perfect for us. You know, I can go and pick them up and, uh, without a problem. Okay. What, what does this cost someone to do, for example, for a couple nights? Uh, well, I mean, up to now, we're, we're offering a week-long stay, the house, the transport, all of that, uh, 100 euros a person, which I think is about wow. 80 wow. It's absolutely nothing. No, you know, that's right. Yeah, I mean, wow oh, as yeah, in exactly. cheap, not wow as in expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify, listeners, yeah. that's yes. cheap, man. <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, I did understand that, Mike. <laughs> no, I mean, I know you do, but just for our listeners, because some people are, are they don't even, they hear euros and they're yeah, thinking, man. what does that mean? So I just want to, ah. I just want to make sure, folks. I'm saying, wow, yeah, as that in, is that's a steal. steal. <laughs> that's what yeah. that is. Not wow, <laughs> as in, whoa, that's expensive, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> because my think, my thinking was that would probably be me petrol if one person comes, and because it's something I want to develop, you know, I don't want to dive in. Also, I don't want to be offer, um charging normal prices what they could get themselves. They can only get this price with me because I've got a house there that we, we have formerly used as a school for our children and for um, you know training and everything from a gym before we got the dojo. And now I'm thinking, well, why not put it a good use? Because when I'm up there sweating buckets and I could have someone helping me, they can stay in this house, no problem. Ideally, I mean, I don't think it's a crime to try and think about developing it as a business either. A lot of people in the animal rescue world do not look favorably upon somebody trying to make, you know, a semi-business out of it, um, which, which that's, you know, I do. That's really that. silly, though, isn't yeah, exactly. it? I mean, I mean, you know, you can, you can, this, this kind of goes back to what a lot of people, people sometimes always feel like, oh, if you're trying to make money off of it, it's not ethical somehow. I mean, why, why can't it all work together? Why can't you... Why can't this be something that's somewhat profitable and then helps even more animals? You can actually expand and bring more animals in because yeah. now you exactly. have more money to take care of more animals. So you're not just limited to 120 all the time. You know, like that's, you know, you can expand from that. So it's kind of like people, most of the time when people have these issues with some people making money is because they have issues with money. And this, and no, here's just, this is just my advice. When someone thinks yeah, right. that way, man, fuck them. It's not talking about their their insecurities are none of your business, dude. You know, so I'm just like run with it. Who cares what they say? Because most of the ones bitching and complaining, they're not doing shit anyway. They're not doing right. a damn thing in the first place. So right. that's why they're shitting right. on you because you're really you're really just highlighting how worthless they're being right now because they're just complaining and not doing anything about it. So that's that's what it's well, I mean, what, what I like about what you're doing is instead of relying on, I mean, fundraising is great and all that, and yes. that's the way that's the way most nonprofits work. Nothing wrong with that. But instead of relying on that, you're creating an actual revenue source which you can feed right back into 
what you're trying to do to expand further and help more animals. And the, the very good thing I'm very proud of, I only have three Aston Martins at the moment. <laughs> well, tomorrow, well that, right, to... that right there is costing you a lot of money as far as the upkeep on those bad boys right there. <laughs> well, uh, this is something I see all the time. You know, I'm heavily involved with other people, obviously, now over the years here um, in the rescue. And they see some type of virtue in, you know, coming out to Spain with maybe 250 grand in savings. Ten years down the line, they've got fuck all and yeah what help can you do now what how can you you help anybody or anything now you're living under a fucking bridge man <laughs> you know who, who are you helping and without being offensive you know i mean obviously i'm being a bit facetious there but i have seen it i've seen people who they have to ask for donations to buy a new vehicle now if i'm ever at that state having to ask you know for that I'm probably I should get myself a full-time job and then make some money and go back to help the dogs later once I've established. Right. Yeah, you know, that's thing too. yeah, that's yeah. That's another thing. Because on the flip side of all that, you, you still have some people kind of have that Josephine Baker syndrome. If anybody knows the story of hers, like she really, <laughs> she really wanted to just help all these orphans around the world. And she became like the cat lady of kids. So to yeah. the point where she just kept going to all these countries, adopting every child in need to the part where she just lost all her money, lost everything, her entire, I mean, everything she ever earned, man, her whole legacy just went kaput because she started adopting more kids than she could afford. So she pretty much just ended up almost, well, I think she did end up homeless, went through like yeah. three failed marriages. It wasn't because they the marriages were bad. It's because these husbands could not just sit around and just watch her just go downhill. And, you know, they felt helpless and, you know, but she wouldn't listen to them. She's like, no, I must rescue every child in the world. So, you know, it just went bad from there. And so you got to kind of find that balance. You're no good to anyone when you don't have anything to contribute at all, even yourself, because she was worn out and tired before it's, everything was said and done. It's tough. I can kind of understand why she probably felt that way, though, because if, mm-hmm. you ever, if you ever go to any third world country, you go to Kenya, Uganda, India, yeah. et cetera, and you see the immense suffering. I mean, it's it's hard to look at anything you own and not want to just sell it immediately and just donate yeah, it. Yeah, you, exactly. you start thinking, man, why am I? Why do I have this TV? Let me get rid of it. Why am I driving a car? I can right. take the bus, you know. <laughs> and then then you end up living in a tent and you're not doing anyone else any good either. You know, my my attitude, but I, I think a healthier attitude is become as successful as possible doing what you love and then donate as much as you're comfortable to help whatever causes you're in you know but but don't don't you don't have to relinquish your own success and your own right. pleasure in life either sometimes people i mean it's great not to be a hoarder but sometimes you can be someone who just who gives away so much that you're just not even healthy anymore you're right. you're just in this totally deprived state you're not enjoying life we have to enjoy life too otherwise yeah. it's going to be miserable exactly Funnily enough, I tried to do that. I tried to go without a car a few years ago. I tried to be, you know, not contribute to global warming and all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, oh, life, oh, my God, life is impossible. You can't go, you can't go to pick a dog up, obviously. You know, you can't come do anything. You can't. <laughs> you need, you need a car, man. I, I lived in Oregon when I was in college without a car. I was like, you know what? I don't need a car. I'll just take the bus everywhere. <laughs> that that oh. got hold real fast, man. <laughs> So, I mean, never again. I was like, I don't care if I have a piece of crap car that breaks down every 100 miles. I need something because this is not going to work, man. So, you don't you don't have to deprive yourself to a certain point. I, I, I really feel that you can have a nice balance of you have a great living and then 
you that enables you to support so many different causes out there. Honestly, I mean, Sincere and I were talking about this last week where I see so many different organizations in need. That motivates me to be more successful so that I can donate more money to those organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than me saying, you know what, I'm going to quit what I'm doing and go donate and go work at the shelter. I go, that's not really the best thing I can do for the shelter. The best thing for me to do is keep doing what I'm doing and then keep funding what they're doing. Exactly. And then use and then do my best to influence my circle of influence, you know, right. my, my peers, you know, to help do the same and join in. And yeah. therefore, instead of me being in the shelter working all the time, then look how many people I'm probably missing where I can pass on that message to them. You know, I'm pretty much amongst those that already understand it. So, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I think it's important to find what's right for you, what's right for you. Exactly. Not, not only for you, but you at that time in your life as well. Ten years ago, um, I was a trainer, a boxing trainer, uh, strength and conditioning. And I just want to be out with my boxers. I wanted to be uh, drinking. I wanted to be doing all types of things, meeting women <laughs> in this world of, you know, professional boxing. No way on earth would I have, what, cleaning up dog shit for 12 hours? No way. But now it's perfect for me. You know, I, I find after a day of work doing that, I come back home, I have a little Jameson's or a few little Jameson's and I relax and I'm, I'm completely content. All of me former, you know, anything like dep- I've read your book, reread your book again, Mike, lately, last week, the week before, about minor depression, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, all this stuff, which, I, you know, I suffered with and I dealt with through, through being an idiot, through alcohol and through other things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need any of, you know, I have a little Jameson's and that's it. I don't go out getting steam and drunk or anything. And I'm just happy. I'm a happy camper. But for me at this time in my life, it's perfect doing this. Um, But talking about this thing about donating, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life was about 12 years ago. Well, not I'm exaggerating. It was quite embarrassing. I had to go into a bank and tell the very pretty blonde cashier that I couldn't donate to an animal, you know, an animal uh, welfare organization Mm -hmm. because my income, I just couldn't do it. (laughs) And that was so embarrassing. Ten pounds a month I donated and I had to cut it, uh, knock it on the head. Yeah. And I just thought, fuck's sake, that is embarrassing. No. You know, so now, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I can't go back to that. I need to do do all my other jobs, you know, the English or whatever, teaching the language. And then I would love it if I could do the dog rescue holidays, my primary, my primary gig. And I think it will happen because there's been so much interest. People think it's a... You know, a fantastic idea. They've never heard of it before. It's not right. volu- It's not volunteering. You know, coming out and working, uh, working really hard. It's a couple of hours in the afternoon to play with it. If you want more, yes, we'll accept that, of course. Well, I mean, yeah. people who love dogs are going to love doing oh, that. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if, I, if I were out there, I'd Look, be having dude. a blast with that. Let me I tell mean, you, also, for $132, around animals, come on, man. Yeah, $132, exactly. and you get the benefit of getting out there playing with dogs, man, and you get to be in Spain. I mean, come on. I mean, you really can't beat that. Really no, it's fun. I mean, that's that's also part of the lowering the cortisol and addressing yes. stress is that when you're around animals, that's been shown to mm-hmm. lower your stress levels. So now you're breathing fresh air. You don't have your cell phone. You're not on you're not on Facebook posting selfies. You know, you're you're out there living and <laughs> taking in real experiences, and then you're hanging out with these fun animals, having a good time. I mean, that's gonna be a, a great week. You're gonna you're gonna come back from that really refreshed, ready to go. Talking to Facebook and all of this selfies uh, shit. We've got, <laughs> got I've got me in laws here. 
and we um, made a meal for them last night. Uh, they sat down at the table and they got the phones out. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm so far removed, eight, eight years for living here, me and, you know, the wife and all of this. And I, I'd heard about it, but I didn't realize that happened. They, oh, my God. Know. People take a picture of oh anything, man. Right. I was at a comedy show. Some girl next to me took a she – was, she was uploading a picture of a fucking pizza on uh, Pinterest <laughs> or whatever, whatever, whatever the website is. I was like, really? Does anyone want to see that pizza? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> people, people just pub, take pictures of anything now. And the thing is, so like, there, and there's no story behind the picture at all. It's like, I'm eating. <laughs> Let me take a picture of it. I could see if they were taking a picture of that dinner with you, and they would explain, like, okay, I'm here in this dog rescue, and this is what's going on, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Right, exactly. And donate to the link here. You know, so, yeah, they, yeah, so yeah, people yeah. say, like, oh, they're, sure. they're not just sitting there taking dogs out all day. They're actually, like, you know, actually enjoying themselves. But no, this person's probably like, ooh, food porn. Yeah, let me go take a picture of that meal. <laughs> eating in Spain. Like, come on, man. <laughs> well, what you're doing, Sean, is I think it's, it's going to take a minute for someone to kind of get their head wrapped around what exactly you're doing because on one hand they're thinking, okay, I'm going to be going out there and volunteering and helping these animals or I'm going to be going out on vacation. <laughs> yeah. it's, hard, it's hard for people to think I'm going to be combining those two things. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and also in a way where it's actually fun because I, I think some people may think, well, I'm going to be shoveling dog crap all day and walking oh, no, dogs. No, no. I mean, I'm not going to be able to enjoy myself or I'm going to go out there and I'm not going to do that. So, but but I, but I don't think it's that confusing, really. I think I think it's really a, a great idea. You're going out there, you're having a great time, you're spending some time with animals, and it's like you said, it's not like they're signing a form saying you got to put in these many hours, you know, while you're out so, here. If I can, if I can do a Mike Mall and interrupt you there, Mike. Uh, <laughs> Please. <laughs> I think it was the John Hines one, which I, I found very funny because conversation, communication here is. Five people out having a drink, five people <laughs> interrupting each other. So when you when you were laughing about interrupting, I think it was John Hines one or one of the earlier podcasts, I just remember thinking, that's not interrupting. You've got to come to Spain and hear what proper fucking interrupting is. Thank you. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. My wife's family, they're Arab. And she'll tell you in a moment. Like, And it's very overwhelming to me because I grew up in a quiet household. But like to be around a house full of passionate people all, all at once like that, <laughs> and, and I look at them half time and they're all over talking each other. And then and then if they ask me a question, I start talking and then they start interrupting. Whoa. I said, why'd you ask me the question if you're not going to shut up and listen to me? They're all like, answering it for you. <laughs> exactly. They're like, no, we're listening to you, Sincere. I'm like, no, you're not. Everybody's fucking talking. Shut up. You know? Paulette <laughs> asked you a question before you could answer. She's like, well, this is what he thinks about that. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? so, it, it, the thing is, you know, it took seven years for me to, it's something about that number seven. It took me seven years to finally start to get it. And so even with my brother, in law because he's Mexican and it's the same thing with his family. So then you got Arabs and you have Mexicans and everybody's passionate and then I'm just sitting in a little country boy like, it's a lot of noise going on right now, man. <laughs> and so now I've learned to kind of just know my role, stay in my lane and, and enjoy the show now. Now I'm entertained by it. So it's not interrupting. So when the guy actually brought that up about Mike being, you know, always interrupting, it's funny. I never even <laughs> thought of, I'm like you, I didn't even think about Mike interrupting until that guy brought it up. I was like, really? You know, I was like, I just felt like all three of us are very passionate on this show. That's the beauty of the oh. show. So that's well, how I mean, I here's the it. thing also is that this this is a podcast. It's not the Larry King show. It's not Charlie <laughs> Rose. No, we're not interviewing people. We're having conversations. Exactly. So when you have a conversation, you're going to tend to talk over each other or interrupt each other. When you go hang out with your friends, 
do you just talk and then you, and then the yeah, friend some... just sits there and listens and waits until you're completely done? <laughs> it was like on the Joe Rogan podcast one time. He had a guest who was talking and then Joe interjected something. He's like, hey, I was talking. He's like, it's not a fucking lecture. He's like, it's not a fucking lecture, man. All right. We're having a conversation here. Okay. He's like, he's back. <laughs> oh, man. That's one thing I did struggle with there uh, with here. I know it's just funny. It's, um, you know, the consonant eruptions. You, you, you talk to people here. And you tell them, for example, I'll tell them maybe 10 times that I do kettlebells and I explain what kettlebells are and I send them links and everything. The 11th time I, I talk to them about kettlebells, oh, what are kettlebells? <laughs> they're, just not, they're just not fucking listening whatsoever. I think that's maybe most, that's most people, though. Most people are thinking about while you're talking about what they're going to say after you're done. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they're not listening. They're just waiting for the gap. So that let's, take a, let's take another detour here. How did you get into kettlebell training and, and what part of that is – how does that fit into your business? Because I know you have a gym and you do yoga and stuff, other things. Yeah. Um, I think I, I fell for your old friend, Pavel, hook, line, and sinker with all of his balaclava clad people. <laughs> and I go, oh, man, Russian special forces, motherfucker. I've got to do that. <laughs> Uh, you're part of that and, club, okay. But then after that, I've got to hold you entirely responsible because of your videos with Big Mackie and everything. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, these can be very, they can be a good tool. Um, and I learned the use of, you know, the heavy double work with yourself. So, yeah, just YouTube University. That's basically mm -hmm. it after <laughs> reading Pavel's stuff. Um, I did a few little courses with somebody who'd worked with Fedorenko, mm -hmm. and it became... I'm not an expert, far from it, but that lower back that Fedorenko's got, he has some steel lower back. Oh, yeah. Yes, a bionic yeah, back. Bionic so that's back. what I call no the doubt. bionic back. <laughs> if I try to do that, I am not going to be doing too well. So I, I look at it from a fitness point of view rather than a kettlebell sport kind of. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I put it in with yoga, with a few circuits, with calisthenics, with crawling. I loved what Steve Maxwell was saying the other, a, a month back. Um, about the importance of crawling. Mm -hmm. uh, since I started crawling, I'm 42 now. I had a bad hip, you know, through silly training. And I couldn't get in and out of a, a Volkswagen Golf, a low-slung Volkswagen Golf, not a, not that car I referenced before taking the piss. <laughs> um, and I had to rock back and forward, you know, to get out of the car onto a high curb. And after about three or four days of crawling up in the mountains where nobody can see me with my dogs, <laughs> I, could, I could step out of the golf. And it was, it was like one of these moments where, wow, this mobility shit is actually, you know, it's true. It's not just people on the internet talking shit. And oh, from yeah. there, you know, from there, and it's all, I love the calisthenics stuff. I love the uh, DDP yoga. I don't yeah, know if you know yeah. that stuff yet. Yeah, oh, I'm, not, I'm not too familiar with. Yeah, you just I'm... give us a give us a brief explanation of what that is. Well, sincere, um, you probably know more than me. I, I just bought the book last week, and it's the American wrestler bloke who. Um, mm -hmm. He was oh, okay, sure, sure. Yeah, I heard so, of this guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think Mike, I sent you that clip a long time ago, like uh, how he helped the one guy who was like morbidly obese. Like this guy was about to die, and I think just yeah, like, he was or, on Shark Tank as well. That, yeah, that yeah, yeah, he did. Concept. Yeah, DDP yep. did go in there. So you know, as a kid growing up, you know, I remember DDP from wrestling, man, from AWA to you know, <laughs> NWA wrestling and all that, and so it was very interesting to me. Like he just kind of popped back up out of nowhere with this with yoga, and so it was kind of it's a total one eighty from what he's known for. 
you know, this dude's like with the WWE and all this. And it's like for a while when he left WWE, he's just he disappeared. And then he came back. But what ended up happening, he saw so many of his friends, man. I think the story is like you've seen all of his friends who were just dying and, you know, they're getting hooked on drugs, alcoholism and all this. And I think, you know, I think he was pretty much like a, a straight shooter after that, man. Just like, like, I'm not going down that road. But he also wanted to help them. And I think when he and, you know, those guys take a lot of bangs and bruises, you know, when they're doing that sport, you know, when they're taking rest and getting hit with chairs and getting they're falling off, oh, yeah. of tw- you know, 20 foot cages onto a floor and all this <laughs> all for the sake of entertainment. You know, so, you know, after a while, some of these guys have been doing it since they were like teenagers as a professional and they get into like the 40s and 50s and that's all they know. Well, their bodies just really can't take it. They've gone through all these surgeries or whatever. And he was one of those guys. And then I think when he started tr- practicing yoga is when he really started to heal his body. And then it's kind of like, yeah, that aha moment is like, well, hell, man, I know I'm not the only one. I got all my friends who are like going through the same things. And so he started really helping these guys. But I think some of the, it's, the biggest thing was how he used that to kind of rehab some of his friends, some of his friends like Scott Hall and and um, Jake the Snake Roberts, who were all hooked on crack and all and alcohol and all this. And he helped them get their lives back together, man. And I think what happens with a guy like him compared to so many people that we know in the fitness industry, a lot of people in the fitness industry, the everyday person really can't relate to them because sure. a lot of these people. They, they see a lot of people in the fitness industry like, well, you were born in shape or you were this athlete. So you don't understand my <laughs> you don't understand my issues. You know, right. so the one thing and they also they don't really know these people because a lot of times people in the fitness industry don't have a personality. So, you know, that's, uh-huh. they just just teach things and there's just really nothing behind it. So you have this guy, a lot of these people who he's helping now grew up with watching him on TV. So they already feel like they kind of already relate to him and know him. So it's kind of helped him a lot to really push this program his ddp yoga with a lot of the common everyday people but then when he started making these changes like with the one guy you know that he helped lose like i think over 100 pounds and save this guy from dying and then just put that video up and that testimony which is still viral to this day it's a very like popular video and now you got more and more people now who probably never thought about yoga a day in their lives but you know here's this these kids who are like these people who are like kids loving wrestling who are now these overweight out of shape people in their 40s and 50s now and just not living the best lifestyle. They have a little bit of hope because now here's one of their heroes now who kind of changed his life around. And they're like, okay, they're making a connection. Now they're interested in yoga. But it's a different approach to yoga, though. Like he says, it's not, you know, it's not your mama's yoga. <laughs> you know, so it kind of puts a little bit more of a, you know, a more, I guess you could say a little bit more of an aggressive spin on it. You know, right. but, not, but not something that's just corny. You know, because like I've seen this athletic yoga and all this other crap. And I'm like, come on, man, stop it. Or, you know, you, you got... <laughs> Power yoga, you know, and fitness yoga and kettlebell yoga. I'm like, stop. Just, just don't. <laughs> Certain things just don't go well together when you start trying to market it like that. Come on, man. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. The DDP yoga, would that be a good standalone for maintaining, you know, just getting old, <laughs> getting old well? Or do you think that really should always be some resistance stuff as well? Um, you know, the kettlebells or the barbells or whatever. Would you say to mix everything or do you think DDP could, you know, do it itself? You know, my thing is for some people, if they're not doing anything at all, you know, that's a that's a good start. It'll get you moving. If that's what you're if that's what interests you and that'll encourage you to keep doing it more consistently, I say go for it. Just like I don't my thing is this if someone takes P ninety X and that gets them from being like a lazy ass, and at least they got something going for the next ninety days and got a taste of being active again, and then after that ninety days they move on and progress to something else, then I'm all for it. You know, I'm not going to shit on it like that. But if you sit there and think that that's all it is or if they if the people P90X say this is the this is all you need, 
you know, just this this whole little CD, I mean, this DVD collection of just all these exercises and Tony Horton, then I say that's BS because right. eventually you got to have some type of progressions. Otherwise, you're going to hit a plateau or you're going to have overuse. So plus, my thing plus, is, who, wants to, who wants to do those same exact same workouts for over. the rest of your life? Come no. on. No. And guess what? None of these things were set up that way because they're going to come up with some way to pull you in each month so you don't go away as a customer. And that's when it becomes all about the money and not about getting you healthy again. So my thing is, as far as DDP yoga, I feel like for a lot of people, especially when people who are like in their like up in age, like 40s and 50s and 60s, and they haven't done anything active in the last 20, 30 years, you know, this is something that is not very like hard and, and impactful on their body to where they'll get injured, like doing star jumps on P90X. You know, I'm like, <laughs> if you've been out of shape all your life, why are you doing jump squats and, 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 and plyo jumps and, and doing star jumps when you're sitting at 200 pounds overweight? And like, yeah, let's, pre- start, let's start with walking around the block. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's, start with just, <laughs> first of all, let's start with just actually getting up and, and like going to change the channel on the TV instead of trying to like <laughs> lean over to the remote. Okay. So my thing is, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a <clears throat> from what I've gathered from it, I don't have it exactly, but I know what I've just seen online. And and just, you know, I know our friend Ken Blackburn, who's been on the show, he's actually done a seminar with DDP in Michigan oh, really? a couple of times. Yeah, and um, they've done it over at, um, at Funk Fitness, you know, with Craig Funk and all them. And, you know, it's always been a positive response, even from people who are more advanced in their training, who are kettlebell sport athletes or who are more advanced in kettlebells and things like that. They loved it, man. They loved it because it helped them in terms of recovery. So there's a benefit for two people here. You know, so if you're someone that's not working out, this is a good way to get you on something consistent that's not going to be hard on your body. But if you're someone who trains hard, this is a good way to recover. But at the same time, you won't actually have that little ego thing where you feel like, well, I'm not doing anything at all. I'm going to lose my gains, man, by doing that. <laughs> you know, because a lot of times you talk to someone as a hardcore kettlebell trainer or powerlifter. You mentioned <laughs> yoga or something like that. They roll their eyes like, nah, man, that's too. I, I can't do that. That's too soft. You know, I, I can't relax. <laughs> it's always funny to me. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's a problem right there when you say you can't relax. Come on, man. The problem is when someone's working out hard and they're getting yeah. weaker each week because they're overtrained yeah, or burned exactly. out or under recovered, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's that's and then they still don't pull it back. That's the sign that you've got some problems. I love the other day, some not the other day, a couple of months ago, someone's going, Oh, overtraining is a myth, it's been disproven. I was like, Look, man, you can you can call it whatever you want. Over I've heard some people say, oh, it's not overtraining, you're just under recovered. Oh my like, god, yeah. I'm heard- like, Look, man, you could you could play with whatever words you want to use with this whole thing, but burnout is real. <laughs> And if you train too hard without adequate recovery, you're going to have diminishing returns. So you just call it whatever you want. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it was uh, Ken Blackburn, I think, who I read an article by him. He had a, a pretty severe injury, didn't he, a few years back? And he turned to Bikram, Bikram yoga. Yeah, he started, yeah, when, um, like right around the time I was getting ready for a kettlebell competition. And, you know, Ken's my coach as far as kettlebell coaching. I mean, I kettlebell sport coaching. And right around the time, man, we learned – just different techniques that we had learned from some of the world champions. And here's the thing when you're learning from other people is like, you got to always take in consideration what works for them may not necessarily work for you. But my thing is I'm always in the lab testing things out. But the thing is at that time, my gains were increasing so quickly. And so were Ken's at the time that when we started using, um, Sergey Rudnev's method of doing long cycle and doing that snap back with the knees, man. Well, here's the thing. If you look at any, if you just Google, you know, Sergey Rudnev and you see a picture of him, then you Google a picture of me 
and the picture of Ken Blackburn. You know, it goes from small, medium, and large right here. Okay, this looks like the the value menu at McDonald's. Okay, so you got to ask yourself, like, when you both, so when you both are like, when the three of you are putting 140 pounds worth of kettlebells overhead, when you're snapping your knees back, there's gonna be a price to pay for the two guys on the end. You know, when they have a little bit more muscle and a little bit more mass, that's going to be pressing down on those knees as they snap back. So we end up, both of us end up jacking our knees up, man. In fact, mine is actually on video because, you know, I was sending a video clip of my training to him and you can just see it when it happened. And it was kind of, it's, it's, it's painful to watch. So both of us are kind of like, okay, what do we do now? And that's when Ken really got into Bikram to kind of just help rehab his, his knee. And um, I was already into Bikram as it is. And I'm just, it, that helped big time. So yeah, man, it's, and again, you talk to someone about yoga, and if they're a little bit hardcore and extreme, I always tell them, okay, you want something that's going to challenge you? Do Bikram. Oh, you mean the hot yoga? No, man, that's, that's too hard. Wait a minute, you said yoga was soft. Pick one. <laughs> Which one is it, man? You know, but my thing is, I live in Texas. I'm sitting in a room that's 110 degrees, that's just me. Everything. That's me having a car with no air conditioning in the summer in Houston. That's all that is. So, yeah, man. But well, yeah. now, well now now some people are trying to teach kettlebell classes in that environment. That is so stupid. <laughs> Which is a recipe yeah, for, for disaster. serious disaster, man. Okay, <laughs> there's a reason we use chalk in our hands exactly. so the bell doesn't fly out. So now you're going to put yourself in an environment where your hands are constantly slippery, <laughs> yeah. and you're sweating away swinging kettlebells. Like hey, I'm sure that room <laughs> smells great. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the swings! Can you just imagine if you're the person in the back behind somebody? <laughs> Like you don't want to be on the last row because every swing is gonna smell like hot like, nuts. Nah, I'll stick to I'll stick I'll stick to fresh air in the park for my, for my kettlebell workouts. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. But I think another cool thing about your about where you're located, Sean, in Spain with the whole dog rescue vacation idea is I mean you can you you don't have a lot of people around. So I mean couples that have always had a fantasy of having sex in public. I mean here's a here's a great place to test drive that. You know? You don't want to traumatize the dogs any more than they already are. Come on. <laughs> you call that doggy style? <laughs> Gimmick infringement. <laughs> yeah, we could arrange a few different options. <laughs> I think I think what you're doing is interesting though. So you teach English, you've got now do you teach kettlebell and yoga classes as well, or is this something you just do for for your own workouts? Um, I don't know. I, I, I was doing it myself, and a few people were interested in what I was doing. Um, inquired about it, you know, and I showed them a little bit. And before you knew it, I've now got, I've got a class. Yeah, I've got a couple of classes actually in the morning. Oh, cool. Um, so I, I leave it to swings, uh, clean, clean, and kind of push press. You know, uh, nothing too tight on the shoulder. Sure. Um, a little bit of Turkish get ups. You know, just play about with the kettle ups, the kettlebells, so the feel. You know, the feel that I can put a balaclava on someday and go out and do some assassination, maybe. <laughs> um, but but my friends from the police, I've got one friend who's like the head of uh, La Unidad de Intervención. If, if the gypsies are kicking off, fighting in the street, drinking, he's in there. <laughs> and he wants me to uh, kind of spread the word about kettlebells. And I just haven't got the time, really. Once his unit training and kettlebells, he's seen the internet, you know, he knows all about it. And, I mean, I there's not really much Spanish on the, on the internet at the minute about kettlebells, I don't think. Right. Um, so, you know, they don't know English. So it's a shame. It could be a good opportunity this entire country for somebody. Um, because I think there's, there's one, a lot of interest. There's one major uh, um, 
like instructor out there. I think, but I think he's in Barcelona. I think it's kettlebells Barcelona. And yeah, yeah. Those yeah. those are the ones that come to my mind though. When you say Spain and kettlebells, it's when someone asks me like, you know, where can I go and train kettlebells here in Spain? That's the only place I know. So if you're not close by, you know, if you're like in Madrid or whatever, like prepare to travel. You know, that's the only, those are the only, those are the only guys that come to my um, mind. I think it's a Robert um, Esavito. I think it's, it's his name. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, there's a guy called Leo as well, up in Barcelona. I don't know if you know him, mm. Leo. Uh, he, I know he's involved, but that's like a different mm-hmm. world away. It's a long, long way. Yeah. And the guy I, I trained with, he's all about kettlebell sport. Um, you know, you're a pussy if you're not doing 10 minutes. <laughs> and not many people want that. Not many, you know. Oh, God. Most people want to play about with the kettlebells and maybe climb a rope and, you know, just sort of enjoy the training a little bit. And he's all about if it's not a ten minute set, it doesn't count. <laughs> so he's limiting his public. Yeah. In a yes. Big, yes. Big time. <laughs> I would say you're whenever whenever you have these stipulations of what something has to be, you're going to limit yourself quite a bit. Exactly. I mean, you have you you have to allow people to find their own path with whatever the system is. You know, so you get the basics down, and then you find your own way. I mean, I, I learned kettlebell training, and then I went in my own trajectory with it. What I found interesting. As opposed to, it's like, no, this is the only thing you can do with it. It's like, well, if I don't enjoy that, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you know, so, so don't tell me what I should do with it. I'm going to take the basics, the core principles, and then I'm going to go in my own direction with it. Which is pretty yeah, much yeah. how it should be with it. It's just about anything. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you sit there, you learn pretty much like, okay, here's what not to do. You know, here's the building block of everything else. And from there, do your own thing, man. But everybody is so afraid to be left alone with their, their, their choosing. And that's what happens. Like, well, since I love kettlebell sport, everyone should love it. I don't want to be the only one loving this. So I'm just going to tell you this is all that matters. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how religious of you. <laughs> okay, come on, man. Well, the good thing here for me, um, about 10 years after you guys all introduced kettlebells and, you know, made a big, um, you know, a big cultural shift in training, uh, strength and conditioning, it's slowly come over to Spain. So now, where I'm living, nobody knows about um, kettlebells, about battling ropes, about any of that. So I'm here kind of explaining, and people think I'm some type of guru. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just someone who's, you know, watched your your videos, I've read your stuff over the years, and, you know, I've got an idea. Um, I've read that that crazy forum, uh, Iron Gorm, is it? So I picked up a lot of things off there years ago. Sure, sure. A lot, you know, the thing about the internet, there's so much good stuff out there, so many intelligent people, and they just waste the time arguing, 40-year-old men arguing with each other <laughs> about, about bullshit. And you think, wow, if you dedicated that mind of yours into something good, you know, you could be, oh, man, you could be having an amazing life. But they're just arguing on Facebook. Well, I mean, they could be they could be doing stuff like what you're doing. You know, you're you're a part you're a perfect example of someone who saw things that bothered him, and you put that into action as opposed to just arguing about it on on message boards or complaining about it or going on rants. You saw a problem, and, and to your credit, you did something big, and 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 are continuing to do so. And I, I like how I, I hear a, a common a consistent theme with a lot of the things you're seeing. How you've taken things that you find interesting. And somehow that's become part of some kind of business model. So you're really into helping out dogs, and then you came up with this great business model. You're into kettlebells. That became part of your a way to make some extra money. 
So that that's cool, man. I mean, I think that's that's a good lesson for a lot of people to take is that when you follow things that you're passionate about, a lot of opportunities will present themselves, but not until you're mm. on the path. It's not going to happen while you're thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. You didn't you didn't do the opposite. Like, I want to make a lot of money. I should start teaching kettlebells. I want to make a lot of money. I should <laughs> right. do like a, a, a an animal rescue vacation thing. Because guess what? <laughs> if you're thinking about money, none of that stuff will even come to mind. Because you're just thinking about like, how can I make some money? How can I make some money? How can I make some right. money? Right. Whereas oh, if yeah, you're doing absolutely. the stuff you're passionate about, you're like. Oh, I could actually, I can actually make a problem. Most times the people are going to tell you that you should be making money from that before you realize it. They're like, dude, you're really good at this, man. You should really like, you should start like teaching or you're that's really exactly good at this, right. man. You should like actually make a business out of this. And that's oh, when yeah. you're like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, and then that, then you, then those juices start flowing. And you start thinking like, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense now because you were so passionate and just following that passion, man, that you weren't even paying attention to all that, the issues of money and all that stuff. It didn't matter. And that's why I, I think a lot of people get it wrong with their business. They're like, money first, ideas later. Yeah, good luck with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my luck, I have very good luck that I'm not creative whatsoever. I cannot sit down and think, hey, man, I'm going to make a million. You know, I just, <laughs> I just do my thing and I, I stumble on the right path. Uh, time after time, no matter what I've done. And I think if you, you know, you let your heart lead you, you'll be okay. And also, I'd like to say that this wouldn't, this would definitely not have happened, this dog rescue, if it wasn't for your podcast, because I listened, I think I've heard every single podcast you've done, and every single one reminds me that I've got to, you know, I've got to do stuff for my life. I don't want to, I don't have to just sit there bitching and talking and, oh, there's a poor gal a Spanish greyhound in the street and no one's picking it up. I go out there and I pick it up and I take it up to the rescue centre but it's the drip, drip, drip every week of the podcast and, you know, other things. It's not all down to you guys. <laughs> you can't take all the credit. But it's <laughs> definitely played a huge part in me thinking I can change my future and I can change, you know, the future of other people and the dogs and everything. Um, um, the fatalism that we have here in Spain is horrendous. You know, people do mm-hmm. not believe they're the author of their own destinies. And it's another big problem I have with my friends. They just want to talk about politicians thieving. And I say, okay, yeah, 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 politicians <laughs> sounds, thieving. Sounds familiar. Mm. <laughs> Spain? But look at- <laughs> really? Just, just Spain? <laughs> yeah, we have, we have that We're problem. We're the masters of that. We've got that <laughs> yeah, We have that we problem. We own that business. <laughs> people, if people, like you said about people on message boards, if people spend as much time doing positive actions, such as what you're doing, as opposed to arguing about political stuff, you, they wouldn't have to argue about the political stuff as much because yeah, the there'd be more good things happening. Their, they'd have to get their shit together or get out of the way if that's the right. Case, you know, and that's the thing. That's how you change that. Just, just do it. Just do, just do what you're passionate about. And guess what? These politicians, look, they want, they want those constituents or whatever. Like, oh, they're going to pay attention at that point. But if you're all arguing... Okay, it makes it gives them time. You're distracted, so they can keep continue doing all the bullshit behind closed doors because no one's checking on them because you're too busy arguing with each other. So yeah, man. I think it's important to take charge of whatever the situation is, right? So I mean, a, yeah. a lot of people like to just relegate responsibility to the government. Like they see something going on, they may see a, a stray dog walking around and go, "Oh man, the government should be doing something about this," <laughs> and then they just keep driving. You know? <laughs> or you can pull over and say, "I'm going to do something about this," and that that's that's gonna that's the much more empowering action. Yeah. So instead of driving by, going, "Man, what a shame!" And now you're going to have this this in your mind, subconscious mind, the rest of the day eating away if you pull over and help an animal out i guarantee you you're going to feel better 
It's it's because empowering actions do that. Whenever you do anything that's empowering for you, whether it's healthy diets or exercise or getting out of a bad relationship, quitting a job you can't stand or helping out others, it's always empowering and you're always going to feel better as a side effect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what did happen with me. That thing about just stopping, picking up the greyhound, uh, got him into me patio, me other house, took him up to the rescue centre, and then I sort of thinking, man, that little dog. Now he'll have a home up in Germany. I felt like I could change, you know, change things in the future of these little dogs, and it was a wonderful feeling. But it's a difficult thing to do sometimes when everybody you know in life drives by and says, oh, in Spanish they always say pobrecito, poor little thing, and then they drive on. So the point I was trying to make about, you know, your podcasts and other things on the internet, positive things I read, when people are actually affecting change and doing things, it has an effect on someone like me living up here on the mountains in the middle of Spain. I think, well, I can do something as well. So I don't think you should underestimate, you know, the power of your podcast, how you reach out to people. I would undoubtedly say that if I hadn't been listening to your podcast for the last year, I would not be doing Dog Rescue Holiday. And I'm not just being some sycophantic, uh, wow, man, your podcast's great. This is true and it's from the heart. And um, a big difference has been made in me by listening to what, you know, the message you're putting out there. So I do, you know, I do really appreciate what you've been, what you've been doing. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, we appreciate, yeah, we appreciate that because, I mean, we do put a lot of hard work into this, and it's it's really gratifying to hear stories like yours. And our friend Jace has had 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 has, has the show's had a similar effect on him. That's really cool stuff because, I mean, this this show is great for our business, but. I think both Sincere and I agreed when we started the show. We want we want to do something that's helping people. We're we're not just trying to promote stuff and make money. That's all great yeah. and fine too. But every I mean, even even when you are making money, it should come from actually improving the lives of others. Yeah. That's my mm-hmm. whole take here. So if someone buys a product from me, I want that to help improve them in some way. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Serving people, serving whoever, animals. Perfect. Well, I really that's feel that when, when you find things that you benefit from personally and you share that, that's good. That keeps you on the ethical path. And I also feel that when you t- you're being the change you want to see, so you're taking charge of a situation, someone's going to hear your story and they're going to want to go do something. That's guaranteed. Guaranteed yeah. that someone's going to do that. So it, it all trickles down. You hear us. You get inspired. Now we're hearing your story. We get inspired. Someone else is going to hear this, and it just keeps going on and on. So I'm, I always, I always feel you want to, you want to live, live the life that that you you wish others were doing, so that you're setting the example instead of just trying to tell them how to live their lives. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. somebody, you know, do as I say. You know, not as I'm not doing. <laughs> Which is never powerful. You ever, you ever get advice from someone where it's good advice, but you know for a fact they're not doing it. Yeah, you like, can't take it. So you know, you're like, you know what? That's good advice, but I know but, for. A fact, you don't do that shit. So, yeah. All these financial advisors who are like freaking living check to check and client to client, you know, trying to give me financial advice. Like, really, man, you riding like a hoopty. <laughs> like, come on, man. So it's not like they need to go out and have like an expensive BMW or something like that. But I'm like, man, your car keeps breaking down every time we have a business meeting. So you don't have the money to go get a repair and get this thing taken care of or just get another car. Come on. But you giving me financial advice. Something's wrong here. You know, or the overweight doctor telling you need to start a, a diet and exercise program. <laughs> Like, really, Dr. Big Gut? You going to tell me I need to start with <laughs> It's like, you have gut problems, and I'm not talking about your internal health, although you probably have those, too. You know? No, I mean, your actions are always going to be way more impactful than whatever you say, because people are always looking at what you're doing. 
the way we I mean, oh, yeah. especially especially those of us in this business where if you're teaching a workshop, every, they're they're looking at everything you're doing. So if you're if if let's say sincere, you're you're instructing, and then I'm sitting in the back just chit chatting with people, and we're looking at the web. People notice that stuff, and right. and, and it's going to affect them. They be like, you know what? I thought Mike was a cool guy until I saw him disrespecting his buddy like that. You know, people people yeah. remember those little those little things that you think no one is noticing. Everybody's noticing that stuff, and they're probably talking about it when you're not there. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, Sean, man, where can people find out more about all this great stuff you're doing? Well, I think the best bet would be my Facebook page, uh, Dog Rescue Holidays on Facebook. I do have a blog, but in between my three jobs, I'm not really keeping up to date with it. Um, So it it tends to be more Facebook, and a lot of people are coming through there. And I must thank you again there, Mike, when you linked to it about two months ago or maybe six weeks ago. I had a lot of people come over. and. And people booked in. People that um, I don't have a lot of followers. I only have about 300, uh, 280, something like that. But people are booking in. So, you know, uh, it's a high percentage of people coming over, like what they see, uh, get in touch, and they're coming out. So from next week, uh, after the summer hiatus, we, we're going to be rocking. Everything's going to be happening from the 31st of August. So thank you very much for that. Perfect. Oh, it's, yeah, my pleasure, Sean. And we'll definitely get the word out this and get links over to your pages. Now, let's see. Any, I think there was. I don't think I have any more questions. Actually, I was going to ask you one more thing about the booking process and all that. Yeah, I was like, but, yeah, well, like, where do you go to do the book? The booking yeah, exactly. Process? Because yeah, I know when my wife gets back, she's going to be really interested in doing this. I'm already. Just, I'm trying to just like keep quiet about it, like, but and not be the asshole. Like, oh yeah, we're definitely going to do that because. But I'm sitting like, yes, yeah, it's, it's two of us. But I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, we have to go, man. I mean, this is perfect. And she loves dogs, so she'll be in heaven by being there. So she's got when she comes back, man. Just for my last few guests, I mean. Just for the, you know, to say the Chimps organization and your organization, my wife's gonna be so freaking happy, man, with all this stuff. She's like, he's telling me, she already told me to tell you, Mike, about the going to Florida and for the Chimps. She's like, tell Mike we're going. And <laughs> when I get back, we're gonna, we're gonna go. So, so yeah, but this right here, man, this is perfect for us. So, yeah, man, where do you go to book the vacation, man? Well, I'm such an amateur, I haven't even set up a PayPal. <laughs> Everything's been so informal, kind of friend of friends and that type of thing, acquaintances family, um, Facebook, PM me. I will be setting up a PayPal within a week. I will be getting that set up. Okay. Um, so the best bet is to get in touch on Facebook, PM, and we can, you know, we can chat. Okay. Okay, perfect. Sounds good, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story. And uh, really, really glad to hear that our show was so inspiring for you to do such great things. Uh-huh. No, no, my pleasure to be here. It's been absolutely awesome. Loved every second of it. Thanks Thanks again, Sean. We appreciate it, man. You take care. Take it easy. Bye-bye. And again, that's our friend Sean McMaster. Check his Facebook page out, the Dog Rescue site, and we'll put some links in the show notes and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I'll link it up on my pages, too, in Twitter. Yeah, me too. Really help get it out there. Yeah. It's always cool, man. It's always cool to hear people that are doing stuff because a lot of, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, a lot of times we we can fall into that syndrome of you hear about all these different problems in the world and, and it can really boggle you down, it can be overwhelming. And I, th- I think the key is to, I remember Melia Kaplan said, just do something. Yeah. You know, find something, whatever the cause is, find something and do something about it. 
because listening to Sean reminds me of when we listened to James Pond for the first time exactly. on the podcast. And we're just listening to him talk about how he had this corporate job, a nice house, and he's making good money, but it wasn't satisfying. He saw this episode on 60 Minutes, I think, or 2020 about human trafficking. And that changed the entire trajectory of his life where he and his wife moved overseas to Cambodia and started helping out victims of human trafficking just like that. Look at all the good he's done as a result. Exactly, man. We've got a lot of good episodes coming up because we're recording once a week right now. We've got a we got several episodes in the bank that we're just releasing as we as we can. So you know you know we have episodes that we recorded a couple of weeks ago that may get released in a month. You know you just never know. So anyway, all I'm saying is the future is good for the show and there's a lot of good guests coming up. Exactly. And this is how you can make sure you never miss an episode. Right now, if you're like by your computer or if you can you have your phone right there, you can do this right now. Go subscribe to the show if you have not subscribed. If like if you just found this because a friend shared the link or you saw it on social media and you clicked on it and you listened to it, subscribe to the show right now, man. You don't want to miss all the things we have coming up. So subscribe and then share it. Share it with someone. So and trust me, if you go to iTunes, if you go to Stitcher, sharing it, even on SoundCloud. We're there as well, even on YouTube. Sharing it is not hard because it's all right there in all four of those little little areas right there. So if you go to YouTube, if you go to SoundCloud, if you're on iTunes, if you're on Stitcher, once you sit there and you subscribe to it, there's there are lots of buttons down there for you to share on any social media of your choosing. And trust me, we're not being picky. You can pick any one of them. You can pick all of them. We'll take it. So do that. Share it with folks. Let other people know, like, hey, man, some quality stuff going on over here on this podcast. And, you know, I definitely want to share that with folks. I want them to be a part of this as well. Because that's the thing about it. When you find something good, man, don't get stingy and keep it to yourself. You got to share it with the world, man, and and let it get out there. And, like I said, that really helps benefit a lot more people, not just us, but a lot more people because the more listeners we're getting, then they're hearing shows like this. And they're going and supporting someone like Sean. They're supporting somebody like James, Melia. You know, they're supporting our businesses. And guess what? We're also supporting a lot of these charities and a lot of these organizations and things. And even in the situation I just spoke about, you know, I didn't think twice. You know why? Because of my business. Okay. And that's the thing about it, because the more you make, the more you can help other folks. And that's the way it should be. Not the more I make, the more I'm going to go buy more crap. Okay. I don't have time for crap. I got enough crap. In my life, you know, so I'd rather go out there and use just utilize that to help other people, man. So, hey, man, it's a each one, teach one, each one, reach one situation right here. And that's what we we really ask that you guys do. So that's how you can really support the show as well as supporting our businesses by hopping over to our websites and typing the coupon code LLA. You can go to newwarriortraining.com or MikeMuller.com. You'll get 10% off of all of our products. We told you to begin the show, all the things you can grab over there. Hey, man. And we also tell you what can happen when you do contribute to our businesses and how what kind of impact that can make. And we really appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, so thanks again for the support, folks. Listen to this one. Subscribe. Share it. Let's get this message out. So more people like Sean, who are inspired by the show, are going to get out there and do some good stuff. You, know, you may be inspired. Let, let some other people get inspired, too. Let's let's yep. use this show to really revolutionize stuff. Instead of complaining today. Subscribe to the show and share this episode. Help us help others. You know, play your role in it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. All right. Take care, everyone. Take care.